What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Thursday, May 5th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The big story of the week is the draft opinion by the Supreme Court that was leaked on Monday. The draft may still undergo some changes, but everything points to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and with it, the constitutional right to an abortion. So how did we get here? Lawsuits over the years haven't explicitly challenged that ruling. Rather, they've asked the court to uphold restrictions that make it more difficult and expensive for clinics to provide abortions. If overturned, there are 22 states with laws on the books that could outright ban or ban abortions in the very early stages of pregnancy. Ian Milheiser, senior correspondent at Vox, joins us for what to expect. Next, the leak of the draft opinion has been a rare breach that many say has never happened before. There have been calls for the leaker to be identified and criminally charged, but legal experts say that is unlikely. The draft opinions are not classified materials, and if the person who did leak it had legitimate access to the document, then there's little that can be done. Also in question is how much the Justice Department could become involved in an investigation. Matt Zapatosky, national security correspondent at the Washington Post, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. Joining us now is Ian Milheiser, senior correspondent at Vox. Thanks for joining us, Ian. It's good to be here. Thanks so much. Well, the big story of the week happened Monday night. Politico had a huge scoop when they leaked a draft opinion from the Supreme Court that basically says they intend to overturn Roe v. Wade, which guarantees the right to an abortion. There's a lot that's going into this. I mean, anti-abortion activists have been working on this for quite some time, and it seems like they might be getting there. So let's walk through. There's a lot of different angles at play here. Let's talk about how we got here. And and, uh, the first big thing, obviously, is that this uh, opinion, uh, this draft opinion, is coming from a case called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. That's right. So this is a case that originally was about a Mississippi law that bans abortions about 15 weeks into pregnancy. And originally the case was just going to answer, like, is a 15 week ban legal or not? And then that's it. But then Justice Ginsburg died. 
And that gave Republicans a supermajority on the Supreme Court when Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed. And it now looks like there are five votes to overrule Roe v. Wade. I will emphasize that Alito's opinion, the leaked opinion, is not final. Votes can change. You know, the opinion itself could change some. But every sign up to this point has been that they are going to do this. You know, they... uh, essentially allowed states to ban abortions last winter so long as states do it in sort of a roundabout way where they use private lawsuits to enforce the law. Um, At oral argument in the Dobbs case, I mean, I counted five justices who appeared very, very eager to overrule Roe. So if I am a betting man, I'm going to bet that something much like Alito's opinion is going to come out soon, and that will be the end of the constitutional right to an abortion. How does the process work? Because this is a draft opinion. As you mentioned, it's subject to change. It probably will change by the time we get the final decision. That should be coming sometime in June, we think. But tell me about the process of uh, issuing these draft opinions and the revisions that they go through. So after a case is heard, the justices meet in conference and whoever is the senior most justice in the majority, which appears to be Clarence Thomas in this case, then gets to choose who will author the majority opinion. And he appears to have picked Sam Alito. And so Alito drafts the first draft of his majority opinion. That is the document that was um, leaked to Politico. And then the other justices read the opinion and they could do one of several things. They can say, I join your opinion in full. You don't have to change it. They can say, I'm going to write a dissent. They can say, I agree with the result, with m- much of what you have to say, but not all of it. I'm going to write what's called a concurrence in the judgment. Or they could say, like, hey, I like this opinion, but like, here's some changes I would like you to make. And essentially what Alito has to do is he has to count to five. He has to get a total of five votes to sign on to whatever the final opinion is. So going into it, it looks like he had five votes. It looks like it's him plus Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett who all voted to overrule Roe v. Wade. And so he needs to keep all of them. Um, You know, some of them may request changes, and those could be minor changes. Hey, I don't like how you worded this. They could be significant changes. And at this point, we just have to wait and see what the final opinion says. Now, this has all kind of been a long game. A lot of activists and a lot of these lawsuits that have kind of been brought up over the years haven't necessarily gone after Roe v. Wade specifically. But, you know, they've, as you mentioned, kind of these roundabout ways, they've been asking the court to uphold restrictions that make it very difficult, very expensive for some of the clinics to perform the abortions. And so this is how they've been chipping away. I mean, it's been a a concern for a long time, but now it seems like we've got to the point where it's going to happen. The reason why they got more aggressive in this case than they have been in the past is because the personnel on the court is different. And ultimately, I think the other thing to understand about this opinion, I mean, you know, it makes a a legal argument. The dissenters will, you know, there will no doubt be a dissent and the dissent will also make a legal argument. But like all of the argumentation around this is basically just a game. The reason why Roe looks like it is now going to fall is because there are six Republicans on the Supreme Court and Republicans control or you know, Republicans don't like Roe v. Wade. You know, when there are only five Republicans on the Supreme Court, you know, Chief Justice Roberts is a little more moderate than the others. So he was willing to uphold restrictions on Roe, but, you know, might not have been ready to strike it down altogether in the alternate universe where Democrats had a majority. Then, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this at all. This is solely a matter of personnel. 
what did it say in the draft opinion? Uh, you know, a lot of the arguments for this say that, you know, well, it promotes democracy, right? This is going to give the states their own choices now with how they want to regulate abortion. But what did they write in the opinion? Yeah, so you're right that, I mean, Alito leans very hard into a sort of pro-democracy argument that, like, this should be something that state leg- that state legislatures get to decide, not the courts. We're just going to return it to state legislatures. They can do what they want. The reason I think that that argument, you know, the sort of democracy rhetoric falls flat is because Alito and his fellow Republican are just extraordinarily hostile to democracy in virtually every other context. You know, Alito wrote two opinions that gutted important provisions of the Voting Rights Act. He's joined others that did the same. He wants to strip state Supreme Courts of their ability to strike down gerrymanders, state governors of their ability to potentially to veto gerrymanders. He has blessed, he said the federal courts cannot intervene to, st- to stop partisan gerrymanders. So Alito, I, I mean, if Alito wanted this to be a fair democratic fight where Democrats and Republicans would campaign for against or abortion and we'd fight it out that way, I think that you know democrats in a fair fight would probably win i mean you know the polls that i've seen show pretty lopsided support in favor of abortion rights in the united states but in the world that alito has created where he has struck down a lot of voting rights protections you know not not to like make our elections irrelevant but to make it much easier for republicans to win all of a sudden it's less clear like whether democrats can win the less fair fight that is coming And so where do we go from here? Where does the fight go for abortion rights? We've seen a number of protests already break out. It's a very charged issue. We we know this for quite some time now. As I mentioned, June is when we should be getting this final opinion. But, you know, there's already, I think you mentioned in uh, your writing, 22 states that have laws in the books already that either ban it or are very close to it. You know, they ban it in the very early stage of it. There's these other things called uh, so-called trigger laws that if it were to be overturned, boom, right away, the bans start coming. Uh, Explain a little bit of that for us. So if, if Roe is overruled by the end of the summer, 18 states will have either complete bans or what I described in the piece as near total bans, meaning they might contain an exception for things like if someone will literally die if they do not get an abortion. But, you know, many of them don't have many exceptions beyond that. And then there are four additional states that have a ban which kicks in at six weeks, which is before many people know that they are pregnant. So, you know, you can't get an abortion if you don't know that you need an abortion. And so we're looking at 22 states that by the end of the summer will have very, very strict anti-abortion laws. Now, it will matter a lot what, who controls those state legislatures in the future. And, you know, the most important event or the most important upcoming event that's going to decide the future abortion or the future of abortion rights is the election. Right now, the state legislatures we have are locked in place until the next election. Congress, you know, the Senate has maybe 48 votes to pass a bill that codifies abortion rights. They would need at least 50, assuming that they have the the votes to abolish the filibuster. And so this issue is going to be decided in the election. And if, you know, the election goes well for Democrats, you can conceivably see a lot of these state laws appeal repealed. You know, if Democrats pick up two or three more seats in the Senate, they could potentially pass a law that says, you know, as a matter of federal law, you have a right to an abortion. The election goes well for Republicans. You know, you're likely to see the opposite result. You're likely to see more states enact laws restricting abortion. And if Republicans gain control of Congress and the White House, you could very easily see a nationwide abortion ban. 
And so one of the things that I've been seeing a lot, hearing a lot, uh, obviously from pro-abortion activists, they say, you know, you're not banning abortions if Roe v. Wade is overturned. You're going to be banning the access to safe abortions. I know that's a huge concern for a lot of women out there, you know, especially uh, lower income potential parents, right? Uh, you know, if they don't want the child and they, you know, they get kind of roped into the whole thing. Those are other discussions to be had too. But on the other side of things, right, there are states like California is a big one who's already come out and said they're going to do anything they can to protect access to abortions. I think Governor Gavin Newsom said they want to propose some amendments to change the constitution to provide that access. There's other, uh, at least 15 other states as well as DC that uh, would keep abortion legal. So that's the, the other side of the conversation too. And, and I mean, I will point out, like, I mean, before Roe v. Wade, even though abortion was illegal in most states, like abortions were still really common. I'm old enough to remember when, like, the big hit movie was 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 Dirty Dancing, which is a movie about someone getting an uh, illegal abortion. Like that was very, very common in, in that era. And the difference wasn't that people were necessarily getting less abortions is that they were getting abortions that were much less safe. Now, one thing that I think will mitigate that is that about half of all abortions now are what are called medication abortions, meaning that, you know, there's no surgery. You, you just take a pill and often, you know, the, the person receiving the abortion will, will take that pill in the comfort of their own home. So, I mean, that is a safer method of getting an abortion. That is an easier method to access. You, know, you don't necessarily need a surgeon in order to get a medication abortion. And on top of that, I, I mean, lots of states have laws that try to ban all sorts of drugs and those laws are not especially effective you, you know i mean you can find heroin in texas you can find cocaine in texas you can find marijuana in texas even though those are technically illegal substances and so in a world where texas can ban abortion outright I'm sure there will be a black market trade in abortion pills and they will be readily available to people who, who need them. The question is, A, like, I mean, just like when you're buying any other un uh, unlawful drug, there's no regulators to make sure that the drug is safe. Ian Milheiser, senior correspondent at Vox. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
We don't know what the final decision is going to be of the court, and that's what uh, makes this leak uh, so egregious. Uh, to create a lot of controversy, angst, anxiety, when uh, this isn't the court's final decision. Joining us now is Matt Zapatoski, national security reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks for having me. So on Monday night, we saw this uh, rare breach, this historic leak of a draft opinion of the Supreme Court, basically said that it would uh, looks like it's going to be overturning the right to an abortion as established by Roe v. Wade. So right away, there was a lot of calls for the Justice Department to identify, criminally charge the leaker. I think Justice uh, Chief Justice John Roberts said he's uh, directing the Supreme Court marshal to open an investigation. Now, something like this really hasn't happened before. So we're kind of in uncharted territories. But a lot of legal analysts say we probably won't be getting any type of criminal charges if they do find the leaker. So, Matt, uh, what are we seeing with this? Yeah, so I think a lot of people are upset that this draft had slipped out. Historically, you know, the court just issues opinions officially and formally, and that's when we learn about them when they're final. So people don't really know quite what to make of this. And many people, including, for example, Senator McConnell and others, want to see someone investigated and charged criminally. The issue here is legal analysts say it would really be a stretch to make this into a crime. A draft Supreme Court opinion is not a classified document. And that is typically what you need in you know what people refer to as a leak investigation. There's another law which basically prohibits the theft of government information. But the Justice Department has said, like, as a matter of policy, they're not going to bring cases when the, um, the government document or, you know, the government property that is allegedly being stolen is just information. And it's information that, that a person took essentially to to release to the public, uh, that it assumes that the person sort of had rightful access to it. It'd be, you know, a different story if somebody, say, hacked into the Supreme Court or broke into the Supreme Court and took something. But so despite all this outrage, it seems like a criminal consequences for this leak, provided it is, as it seems on its face, uh, seem pretty unlikely. Yeah, definitely. So whoever the leaker is, you know, can perfa- uh, face these you know professional consequences, you'll get fired, maybe lose your law license, depending on who the person was. But like you said, I mean, it really hinges on who had the access to it. You know, if it was a, a law clerk, if it was an administrative assistant, I mean, these people are tasked with helping out the justices throughout the whole process. So they're privy to these things. And if they were and they leaked it because they thought the media should know, the country should know, that's not really a criminal offense there. So this is kind of where this all is uh, really hinging on. And tell me a little bit more about the the marshal of the Supreme Court, because there's a woman, she's the head of it and all, and they have kind of a police force with them, but mm-hmm. they're really mostly a security force for the Supreme Court justices. I mean, I, they don't really do many investigations, let's say. And if they have to get the FBI involved, right, the Justice Department involved now, that's where things kind of start getting murky. Yeah, so so you're right. The, the investigation that has been commissioned here is that the Chief Justice has asked the marshal to open an investigation and the marshal of the Supreme Court is kind of like their head administrative person and also is in charge of these Supreme Court police. But, you know, this is a pretty much unheard of situation. I'm not exactly certain what, if any, experience the Supreme Court police have in investigating leaks. You know, certainly that's something the FBI does all the time. But the Supreme Court police, you would think that their task is mostly security for the justice 
justices handling protesters who might come try to crash oral arguments or, you know, um, do something outside of the building, which they might see, you know, more of here as these, you know, controversial opinions come down. But investigating leaks is not something you historically think of them doing. While I, I think there are people who want to see the FBI get involved here because they have experience, a lot of experience investigating leaks when it comes to classified information, it just seems to me that's a thing the Bureau is going to be very reluctant to do. And frankly, something the Supreme Court is probably reluctant to let the Bureau do. The Supreme Court is the, the judiciary is its own branch of government. They historically have been very leery about other branches intruding on their business. And I would be surprised if they would want the FBI just traipsing around interviewing clerks. I mean, heck you, you would yeah. also probably have to interview justices. So, right. so that's sort of where we're at. Yeah, and that's a tough thing. And as you mentioned, you know, these uh, draft opinions, they're not classified. There's always not necessarily leaks, but uh, people start talking about how justices are leaning or what they're thinking. That's all happened before. But, you know, the magnitude of what this decision, the impact of it could have is super important, right? It's going to change everything across the country with regards to abortion. So there's so many eyes on it. That's why it's such a big deal, obviously. But yeah, what does this do to the Supreme Court internally, right? As I mentioned, if this was just done, you know, by a law clerk or an assistant, somebody that had access to it, I mean, there's going to be a lot of distrust going on in the background of the Supreme Court as well. Yeah, look, all of the, you know, you say, well, there maybe are leaks previously. There aren't really leaks previously. What we have previously is just you can observe the court in oral arguments and you know the way justices tend to vote. But, you you know, it's pretty rare for a whole opinion to come out, especially an opinion of this magnitude. So anytime you have a leak in any agency, there's just mistrust. Who did this? If I talk to somebody, is somebody going to reveal that conversation? And, you know, you've seen pretty much every other institution in Washington have to grapple with this, and and now the Supreme Court does too. Well, we'll keep an eye out on all of this and see how this investigation does play out. And if we eventually find the leaker, it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Matt Zapatosky, National Security Reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 